Uh, and at Encounter, this is our first summer together. And so we find ourselves like having to make a lot of decisions that in uh, maybe some other churches, decisions that have been made like 10, 20, or even uh, 50 years ago. Basic questions like that we kick around a lot. Uh, for instance, what do we do with our small group ministry during the summer? When, as you can see, like Tons of people are just on badly needed family trips. Just get out of town, get out of state even. Uh, do we just uh, proceed with it, just kind of full steam ahead? Uh, we decided to, like in this case, put, uh, pool everything uh, together into uh, a big one. And along with that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, incorporate this barbecue series. Like uh, one's happening now, we'll do another one in July and in August uh, throughout the summer. With the idea that knowing the decisions that we make now will somehow uh, have this certain staying power. Whether, no matter how hard we try to resist it, it's likely to become the default position for 10, 20, or even 50 years from now. I think that if we look back 10, 20, 50 years from now, and say, uh, we kept our small groups going and we did a barbecue series all summer long. If that's the default, those are memories that I think we can be proud of. Um, you've had like this collective uh, memory sharing experience. I know it because we all do. Sometimes it's uh, good or bad, usually somewhere in between. The family getting together, uh, Uncle Ted helping Grandpa put together the slide projector so you can see uh, old photographs of people whom you've never met before. But memory sharing can be good, too. (laughs) Memory sharing can be uh, hanging around a campfire, uh, s'mores on the uh, fire, Talking about uh, college, high school, growing up, anything and everything that comes up. Uh, Memory sharing. We do it as uh, individuals. We do it as family units. We do it as organizations. Knowing that a church, looking ahead, looking behind, we can see there will be uh, good years ahead and there will be lean years In uh, the company that you work for, or maybe the company that you own, when you sign up for this, you can almost guarantee yourselves there will be some good memories, good years, years sweet to bite into. And there will be some bad ones. And there will be some lean years. And there will be years, some memories that you just bite into and say, the bitterness is almost unpalatable. The question that I'd like us to explore this morning is not, uh, are there sweet years to come? Are there bitter years to come? There is. There's good and bad memories ahead of us that have yet to be made uh, already. The question that we're going to explore, what do you say What do you say to the good years, to the sweet years that you bite into? What do we say to the lean years, to the bitter years, that to be honest, we'd rather forget about? 
Uh, to answer the question, or at least to guide us along, we're going to continue on our Songs of the Heart series. And in just a moment, uh, turn out uh, worship flow sheets over to the notes side. Uh, but as we begin, I just want to point out uh, Songs of the Heart. This is the last installment of the series. Um, if you're new to Encounter, if this is your first or second time here, just a reminder. Uh, we said the premise of the series is that for every emotion that we have, there's a score- corresponding uh, song or a psalm with a P in the Bible that uh, gives voice to our emotions, gives voice to our heart. The music is lost a long time ago, but the words stay, and so we're going to take a look at those. Also, I have to point out something, that almost all of the songs that we take a look at are like individual songs. Or, or kind of like the stripped-down acoustic version of the songs that maybe isn't necessarily meant to be included in the album when it was put together, um, but maybe more so like a personal or individual, cathartic even, experience. This song is different. This song very much was meant to be included in the album, so to speak. This song is meant for a setting a lot like this, where there's somebody standing in front of a group of people reciting one line, and before, uh, like, projection screens and printing, handout and everything, they just had a very simple one-line refrain that they just kept coming back to and kept coming back to. So as we read uh, the song for this morning, I'd like us to, to do it just like they did it. And so grab the uh, sheet that's next to you. Pretty easy lines, I think. And we'll do it a paragraph at a time, the first three verses. I'm going to say the line, and then you respond uh, with his love endures forever. Uh, first one, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. You got it. And then it goes on that way. Just a note, something right off the bat to point out, is that you might ask the question, uh, if all of these are songs of the heart, what kind of song is it? The songwriter says in the first three verses, answers the question, uh, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Friends, what we have here is a thank you ballad. What we have here is a song of gratitude. He's making that clear. The songwriter is going to kind of walk us through a few things that uh, he's grateful for and fill those out. But we just have to understand everything that's mentioned in this song is mentioned in the context of thank you, thank you, thank you. Another item worth uh, pointing out is that when you say thank you, that in itself is a response. To say thank you, to have something to say thank you for, somebody must have already acted or already spoken or already done something toward you. Said another way, God has the first word. I know we keep coming back to this. Kyle mentioned it just this morning. Hopefully that sounds familiar. We at Encounter believe God always has the first word. The songwriter did too. God acts, and the songwriter's first words are, thank you, thank you, thank you, out of response. The song continues, and we'll do it together. Next paragraph. Uh, To him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, 
His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. That's right. Now, this is when the song starts to get uh, somewhat more specific. Uh, Moving into uh, not just thank you, thank you, thank you, but thank you for this. If you're taking notes, uh, you can go ahead and write uh, like world or creation in the margin. And while you're at it, just put the number six right below it. We'll come back to that in a moment. The songwriter is uh, making specific reference. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the world. Thank you for creation. Another thing that we come back to every once in a while at Encounter is to say the time that we spend here, this hour in church, or better put, this hour of worship, is not just meant to be a break in the schedule. Uh, Work, eat, sleep. Work, eat, sleep. Work, eat, sleep. Church, work, eat, sleep. No, no, no. It's not meant to do that at all. It's meant to serve as an hour of refocusing, an hour of reorientating our lives around the things that we consider are most important, the things that we sing about in the morning, the things saying God is good and great and gracious even to me. The idea here is to say what we do here matters Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all throughout the week. Hopefully, this is why you find yourself like humming some songs in the car or in the shower or something like that. It matters. The idea is to live a more grace-filled, more Jesus-like life all the time. And not only do the songs have a certain staying power, humming them in the car or in the shower. The songs kind of hang around, the prayers, especially for them, hung around for a while. The way of thinking kind of hangs around. So when the people gathered together and they heard and repeated things about the God who does great wonders, who made the heavens or skies, the earth on the waters, the great lights, the day, the stars, and everything in between. He's making a suggestion to the people. When you sing on your own, when you pray on your own, when you thank God, thank him for the world. Uh, Thank you for the creation. Thank you for what you see is a way of reorientating your life, not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week. Uh, Some of these words seem a bit formal. Uh, Translating that in 4,000 years will do that to some language. I am guessing that most of us don't thank God uh, for, by his understanding, making the heavens, spreading the earth out upon the waters. But when we uh, pray 
either as a family or individually. But the idea remains, sit down, look outside. Thank you, God, for the sunshine. I thank you for the warm weather. Thank you for the cooler weather. Thank you for the birds at the feeder. Thank you for the views. A challenge uh, for us this week. What do we say when we bite into an experience that's just so sweet, looking around outside, soaking it up and saying, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank God for creation and something specific in it. Now, that's something um, broad enough for, like, everybody to be able to do. The songwriter uh, focuses it uh, from there even more pointed. Instead of uh, something broad enough that the whole world could do, he narrows in on personal or uh, national identity in the next uh, chunk of verses here. Again, let's read it together. Um, let's try to like get some enthusiasm and some uh, like a little quicker here. It sort of sounds a little slow. Remember, this is a song, and I gotta believe it's kind of an upbeat, cool one. Uh, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever, and brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. You see what the author is doing is he's taking this broad general creation experience and focusing it down and saying, thank you, thank you for those things, but God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you just did. Pointing to a place in his past and saying, I remember a time when my back was against the ropes. I had nowhere to go. And then God acted. In this case, the author is recalling a time when, as a country, the people found themselves uh, slaves in a distant place. Uh, Their houses weren't their own. Their kids were not their own. They were literally being worked to death and fading quickly. And then God acted. Bringing them out from that place. The whole country was coming out. They were just about to like celebrate this new sense of, uh, of identity, of freedom, for the first time since any of them can remember. And as the song goes, uh, the king, Pharaoh, changed his mind and starts pursuing after them. The people, like a ton of people, out in the desert, in the wilderness, they're looking forward at a sea and backwards at an army and thinking, there's no escape here. There's no getting out. And that's when the song reminds them of it. Time after time after time, God splits the water open and they go through Like, whoever even thought that that was a possibility? As they go through, the author 
the songwriter has to say, our backs were against the ropes. We had nowhere to go. And I remember a time when God acted. He bites into that memory and it's so sweet. The challenge for us this week is to bite into that memory. Maybe not the identity of saving the Israelites from Egypt, though it is our story. But even more specific than that, point to a time in your past, in your family's past, wherever you need to go and say, I remember a time when uh, backs were against the ropes, there looked like there was no deliverance here, and God acted. I remember a, a time when little girl was born to my brother and sister-in-law. I mean, doctor's visits, uh, nervous scares, specialists, irrational fears, like two trips to the emergency room later um, that weren't quite needed yet. It's like, finally, she's born. I remember a time when God delivered. And it's so sweet. And it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I remember a time when, uh, first day, uh, hundreds of resumes go out, uh, interviews, $47 in stamps to get the resumes out to where they need to be. First days, most of the time, just awkward, clumsy, going around, but just saying to yourself, reaching out into the past and saying, I didn't know what I was doing. And saying, biting into that moment, thank you, thank you, thank you. Reaching back into uh, the memories, pulling out impromptu road trip to Chicago, to prove to your friends that Giordano's really does have the best deep dish pizza. It does. <laughs> See some nodding, shaking, going around. Talk about it later. Car rides, conversations, long conversations, lifelong friendships, sharing things with people that you didn't think you would ever say out loud, and finding you're not alone. Biting into that memory and saying, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Put down the word um, deliver next to that paragraph. And underneath that, write the word six again. And we won't have time to get to it, but there's another paragraph, uh, another chunk in the psalm as well. It just goes on and on and on. In fact, the vast majority of this song, the body, minus that like triple introduction, is these uh, six-line verses that point to one uh, or to clear events in the songwriter's history, in the past, in repeating it six times. So you have like the creation or the world and saying, just explore this from every angle. Sun, moon, the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Six times. Six times uh, deliver, delivering the people when their backs were against the ropes from Egypt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The one uh, after this, there's another one that, uh, after the people, fast forward, years and years and years, to when they're like this complete uh, independent country and fighting with the neighbors constantly, looking back at that moment and saying, you delivered us yet again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, six verses. In fact, almost the entire song, body, is made up of six verse or six line verses dedicated to specific things. Almost. But not all of it. There's this one verse that is almost clumsily included in the song. It doesn't have the same uh, cadence to it. It doesn't have the same repetition. It doesn't have the same, let's cover this from every angle six times over. It's just seemingly haphazardly included. It's verse 16. And I got to imagine the rhythm of this whole thing just derails as, a, as we get there, and everything slows down. I'm going to read it for you, and just hang on to the response for just a moment. To him who led his people through the wilderness. It's just one line. The short time of coming out of Egypt has six the 40 years that the people spent in the wilderness, the uh, multiple books of the Bible that were written either about while in the wilderness or while in the wilderness gets one line. I think that what the author is doing here is saying there are some good and sweet memories that I bite into and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And there are some ones that, to be honest, I would quite just as much rather forget. In the 40 years in the middle of nowhere is one of them. The people, after coming out of Egypt, it took them two years to get to where they were going, a place that had uh, come to be called simply the promised land. Yet when they got there, the vast majority, everybody but two people, <laughs> thought, this is, um, this is no good for us. And so back out into the desert, into the wilderness, they went. And for 30 years, 38 more years, 40 total, they spent just wandering around, waiting. Waiting for every single one of those people who doubted that they should or could go in there, passed away. Imagine, for just a moment, what that would have been like. Imagine for just a moment um, 
the people, the younger ones in the group, who knew nothing but being born into this nomadic lifestyle, being able to look back over 30, 40 years and being able to retrace their steps, not because they left that much of a mark on the terrain, but because along the way they were burying uncles, aunts, grandpas, grandmas, moms, dads. Remembering all the while The songwriter, one simple line. There are some memories that you bite into and you just say, it's bitter. What do you say? What do you say? Not for the first day, but when the first day doesn't come. When there's uh, hundreds of resumes that go out, dozens of interviews, and it just doesn't go well. Uh, No, no, no. You start to find something that everybody knows isn't a good fit, but it doesn't matter when you've been in the wilderness for so very long. What do you say when it's not a conversation-filled car trip, road trip? but an awkward stalemate after a fight, and you're just driving down the road, not saying anything, both of you too angry to speak, not wanting to break the silence. Biting into that, and it's bitter. The same question as we had at the beginning. What do you say to the sweet good years. And what do you say to the bitter ones? As implausible, or at least outrageous as it sounds, the songwriter says, thank you even for that. The songwriter includes this one line of this memory that I gotta believe he would rather forget than bring up, but yet still includes it in his song of gratitude, in his thank you ballad, and follows it up with that same refrain. Only this time it's not his love endures forever, it's perhaps more like. Um, His love does endure forever. Almost like telling himself, reminding himself, trying to convince himself that God's love does endure forever. And what do you do with the bitter memories? Somehow or another, some way, shape, or, or, or form, this jagged, ugly piece has to fit in 
to the rest of the painting. If it doesn't, the whole thing is ruined. If any of the pieces are lost, God doesn't really redeem everything. Against all hope, imagining, even beyond imagination, that even these bitter memories, the things that, to be honest, like the wilderness, the songwriter would just rather forget about. But yet, somehow having this faith, this hope to believe that it will fit. It will be part of the masterpiece somehow. Um, by the way, the, the cross of Christ was one of those. As we imagine, uh, just what this biblical idea of redemption Redemption is all about. We look at a point in time when there was a very, a stunningly clear image of death, of hopelessness, of ending, of intimidation, of torture. And after Jesus died on it and rose again from it, that same image is now the number one universal image of life, of hope, of gratitude. Redemption is about fitting the jagged, ugly pieces, not just in the masterpiece, but in the middle. The author, the songwriter, is simply recounting the pieces that have to fit in the puzzle, in the painting, and saying, the wilderness. I don't get it. But his love does endure forever. And so preemptively, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the wilderness, uh, the people learn to uh, rely more heavily than they ever have before on God. In the wilderness, the people learned that God's love does, in fact, endure forever, no matter what. Uh, In the wilderness, the people tasted bitterness. that they would know just how sweet it all will be. If you can, let's say it together. Thinking of the wilderness now. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Let's pray together.